Hey, it's BT with Tales from the Gemini. Thank you so much. Uh, I like that intro, man. Uh, Wyatt knows me. If you know my Sorry We're Canceled podcast, we always come on with a little bit, uh, a little more, a little more flavor. Is that what you say? A little more flavor uh, with some beats. And I try to rap, and I'm not that good. But when I come on with kind of a rock and roll beat, that was pretty good, wasn't it? I mean, I didn't know what I was going to say, but yeah, it was. I mean, if I got something to rhyme, I didn't have to rhyme, but you know, it's all whoa, down these shitty streets. That was pretty good after that. I didn't need to write some lyrics, but I got that, man. I mean, I'm more rock and roll than anything, you know? I got the stance. I got the air guitar look. I mean, that's me, bro. Keep that in mind for the next podcast. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's me and Wyatt and Tails from the Gemini Podcast. I, this guest I have today, I am so excited. Um, I know her intimately. Not intimately. Intimately means sounds we're, we're dating, but not intimately like intimately like that. But I know this next guest very well, and also like. And I, I try to get people that inspire when I do this podcast. It's not just for, you know for shits and giggles. It is, but it isn't because I think any, any I think you can pull something from people, a story that you, maybe you connect to and go ah, and maybe that inspires people because you just never know who you inspire. I mean, and people take a chance and they may click on and listen, and they go oh, and you never like you just never know. I know it sounds corny, but it's like when you listen to a coach. Tell one of those speeches. Like, you're, you played basketball, right, Wyatt? So, yeah. you know, one of those coaches telling one of those uh, speeches, you know, what you got to do to be a champion? And you're actually listening, and there's one guy who's kind of rolling their eyes, like, man, whatever. And it's like, it, you know, it sounds corny, but if I listen to my coach, and it got me so much further than the other guys. I mean, but everybody's goal is different, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, that, so that's why I, I, I love these interviews, and I, I love the chats. I call them chats. So if they can inspire just one or two people, man, that's enough for me. And that's what I like. You know what? Let's, let's click on the link, please, for this person coming up. They, they got to click that link to join. Okay. So I see I, I messaged them. So I'm um, say we're ready. Uh, come on, please. I wonder if she's practicing. So I, I like to live it to like, um, so you send it to her? Yep, she's got it. Okay. Okay. Oh, come on, come on, come on, Nikki. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We, we can edit this part out, right? Yeah, here. we can cut. Okay. <laughs> 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 That's good. Come on, come on, come on. It's 12 5. Come on, here we go. Okay, so she should be. She, she knows, she knows. You'll see it before I will, right? Yeah, it'll be on the screen. And you know that's my favorite part, right? That is my favorite part as well. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. It's just my favorite part because it's your favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> we ought to do a, uh, what's the name of your podcast? It's a, uh, what is it called? Your podcast is is the uh, the ball. What is it called? Whose? Yours. Oh, I don't really do. I don't really do one like that. Okay. I thought you had one. Yeah, it's just like my name and then a podcast. Okay. Okay. Well, we I I to do yours. I think it'd be interesting. Me and you together. That would be interesting. I think it would be. Yeah. If she didn't click on it, it is gonna be me and you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is. Come on, Nikki. Come on. Come on, Nick's Nick's. Maybe her internet is bad. Did she say anything? Yeah, because I, I hit her up at 9.42. I said, talking to you and a couple, looking forward to it. She said, 6 p.m., right? And uh, my time. And I said, yes, which is noon, my time. Have your Zoom ready, and let's have some fun. And then 11.54, I said, we're in the studio. We'll hit you up at 6.05, your time. Click the link, and we'll be good to go. Here we go. Here we go. Coming on, ladies and gentlemen, on Tales from the Gemini, here comes our guest. Here we go. She's joining. It's loading. It's loading. Here we go. Come on. God, I feel I, it's all my fault too that we're that we're it's early, late, whatever. There we go. Come on. Nikki Taylor. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, what's up, Nick? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, ladies and gentlemen, on Tales from the Gemini, this, the guest I have here, and let me do it formally. Uh, we know each other intimately, not like intimate, intimately, but we know each other intimately. She was my roommate for a brief period of time, um, and we worked out together. This is one of the greatest athletes I know because I per- personally witnessed it. And today at the gym, I got my heart rate up to 177 beats per minute because of you. I said, I remember we jogged on a treadmill, and she. This is how much of an athlete she is. We're right next to each other. She literally 
is, uh, I think she had it on nine, Wyatt. She was on nine. And I was like struggling at six or whatever. And I got off my treadmill and went to work out. As, as we're going home, I go, remember when I was on a treadmill next to you? She goes, no, I don't. I mean, she was in her zone. I mean, that, she's an incredible athlete. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, Nikki Daly right now is my guest. Nikki Daly is... She, first of all, a silver medalist in the World Cup for uh, the Irish female uh, field hockey team. Uh, she comes from greatness. Her cousin is Connor Daly, who raced in the Indy 500. And her, is it uncle? Yeah. Uncle Derek Daly, a Formula One driver, and your dad also raced. So you come from sports royalty. Nikki, how are you, sweetie? I'm good, BT. It's good to it, see you. It's been it's so long. Great. It's great to see, and it's my fault that we're late, only because it's my fault, because we said, it's 6 o'clock your time. Why am going, I not yeah, surprised? Yeah, so, yeah, and I, th- yeah, I know. Well, you ain't got to say it like that and make me look bad in front of my chicks. You ain't got to say it like that. But yeah, it's my fault that we're going on late, because you thought you had a whole another hour, and I'm calling you, hey, yeah, uh, where are you? I'm like, yeah, you said 6 o'clock, and it was 5, so my bad. But anyway, great to see you. Great to have you on my show, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. You were going to be on my show because... Of just a, I just love your story. I mean, like I said, we grew up, we knew each other. Like I said, brief roommates for a while. But I've always admired your just your everything. You always had a, a glow about you, and I mean it. There was a glow about Aww. you. I just I know a great soul about you. And I was reading and trying to research your story or whatever, so people will know. And I thought the fun one of the funniest things I think was your first car you shared with your brother. Yeah. God, where did you go to get that information? And th- that's none of your business. What I did was <laughs> I got that I got that story, and I and I thought that was the funny thing. Cause tell me, tell me how th- that car came to not be anymore. <laughs> that's what I want to know the story. And tell the people <laughs> the story. Um. Well, there was there was a few cars now, so I'm not sure which one you're exactly talking about. There the first, your very first car, your very first car that you shared with your brother. The one that may have, may or may not have ended up around a tree. Yes, or a ditch. <laughs> at the rally. <laughs> or the both. one at the rally. Yes, 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 yes. Um. Yeah. Look, we shared a car when we were younger. I suppose that's kind of how you know we couldn't afford one each, and as siblings do, you you have to share. We went to the same school together, but um, let's just say we were both like curious as to how good of racing drivers we could have been, and and maybe he was a bit more curious than I was <laughs> um and yeah that that car kind of ended up in around a tree at one stage um in a ditch and also oh, I don't know many other places probably at the same time if it's the same car I'm thinking of <laughs> now whose fault was that whose fault was it oh his <laughs> worse I think that is great. Now, what I love about the story is, well, about your story is, is that if anybody doesn't know, like I said, you're a field hockey player and you're, you know, you're going to the Olympics, uh, fingers crossed, going to the Olympics, but you grew up and your dad was a racer. Now, you ended up being a mechanical engineer in college, but it was because your dad raced and you helped your dad get his car that you realized, hey, I'm actually doing engineering. Yeah, well, I did engineering. I did mechanical engineering for my undergraduate degree here in Ireland. And when I kind of got to the end of that, it was like, oh, what will I do? What's, you know, where are most people kind of going in the industry? And a lot of people were kind of ended up in pharmaceutical or biomed or, you know, Intel, things like that. And I just didn't see myself working for any of those firms or any of those kind of industries. So it was kind of like going back to, well, what do I know? Like, what, what am I interested in? And I came back to the racing. Um, but I probably didn't understand the racing a whole lot from an engineering side at the time. You mm-hmm. know, especially when I was growing up, it was just my dad was his own engineer. He was his own mechanic. He was the racing driver as well. He was kind of like, you know, one man band. Um, so when I got kind of like looked into it a little bit and I saw this course in England, it was a master's in motorsport engineering. And I was like, this is it. This is for me. This yeah. this has my name written all over it. Yeah. And so I went over there. But I mean, it was, you know, this is going back in 2012 when I did this. So it's like eight years ago. And at the time, we probably didn't have these like women in motorsport initiatives or um, anything out there to kind of encourage girls into that route or, or down that direction. Right. So I was a little bit apprehensive about going over there and, you know, kind of second guess whether oh will I fit in here should I be doing this is this for girls is it not for girls um and like turned out that it wasn't very popular among the girls I was one of only two in the class Mm -hmm. but I knew it was something that I had a a big passion for motorsport in general like didn't think I was gonna 
you know, jump in and be brilliant at this engineering side of it. And yeah. it proved to be quite difficult. Right. Um, but I got through it and I, I ended up kind of going over to the States and becoming your roommate and doing, you know, working for a racing team over there, Goes Racing, who were so welcoming. And um, I really um, felt like they were like almost like a family um, that I fitted into over there and, and got got to do almost two years experience working for them as a data engineer. Um, and again, like not what I was the only female engineer in the team, but at the time when I, when I got over there again, a little bit apprehensive, but they made it so made me feel so welcome. And, and like some of the family. guys in the team today are, are still my best friends still. So it was an incredible experience for me. And um, yeah, that was kind of where, where I ended up going with the, the motorsport angle. Okay. Well, okay. So growing up, I know you said your dad racing, you helped your dad. Now, did, did you fall in love with motorsport because you helped your dad and it got you guys close or was it just, or and you were around it or because sometimes, you know, you grew up around something, but some kids kind of like take a different path. Like how did you happen to just stay grounded in that love for it? I think it was just, yeah. Like spending every weekend down there since I was born pretty much. My dad was very well known here in Ireland. Like he had a bit of a profile in terms of Irish motorsport mm-hmm. and he was probably the most successful Irish driver of his time, you know, during the period that he raced and he, he raced here for over 20 years. Wow. Um, he was unique in the sense as well that, you know, motorsport wasn't that big of a sport here, but he kind of was that professional about it. He made it seem like it was a lot bigger than it was. And he had commercial sponsorship in like fast food restaurants um, over here called Abercababra sponsored him. And he had Pepsi Cola sponsor him and 2FM, which is a radio station over right. here, a big radio station over here. So he, he, he made it seem like it was a lot bigger than, than maybe it was. And, you know, his races were on TV at the time and, he was on radio interviews and he treated it like he was a professional in the sport and he wanted to elevate the sport to that sort of level of professionalism. So did that that make an impression on you at that young of an age? Yeah, I think so. I think I saw him as a bit of a, a, a hero and, you know, people knew him and people came up to him and they were looking for autographs and things like that. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, he wasn't a big (laughs) uh, sports star or anything like that in Ireland, but he did, he did, do a lot for Irish motorsport and um, it, it sort of did bring it to a level that that maybe wasn't there before or certainly isn't really there now. And obviously yep. like with my uncle, you know, obviously knew about his career all, all growing up and the, the older I got, the more I understood how big he was and what yeah. he did for Irish motorsport. Now, what memory sticks out in your mind being with your dad at the racetrack? Like, what memory, like, did you go, oh, yeah, like, that was the best memory? Because everybody has a memory that just you can't get out of your mind, and it always brings a smile to your face. Oh, there's so many of them, like, being in Mondello. I think what, like, the, what I remember most about him was he, he was he was very quiet in himself. Like, he went about his business, you know, quietly, and but he was very clever and very smart, and he could read the opposition very well, and things like that. But um, I think it was just, you know, he, he would always get me to be involved with it because he was on his own. He was the driver, the engineer and the mechanics sort of all in one. But, you know, one thing that he'd give me responsibility for was doing his lap times, which is a big responsibility because you don't want to hit that stopwatch wrong or forget <laughs> to hit the stopwatch at any single time because that's happened. And I know exactly how that feels to get that wrong. <laughs> how, were you, how old were you when, you when you had that responsibility? How old were you then? Oh, probably like 10 or 11. Oh my gosh. So at, at 10 yes. o'clock, at, at 10 years old, you had to make sure you hit the yeah, stop and, then, right. and hand him out the pit board to show him his lap time, like put the numbers on the pit board, hand it, stick it over the wall, make sure he could see it. Oh um, my God. But that was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously cleaning the bodywork and the wheels and all those kind of jobs were very important to him. Like he, he, he did like he, the pre- presentation of, of his car, of him, you know, his setup was very important to him. Um, and whatever way we could have, even ourselves, you know, we were dressed in team gear and, and stuff like that, which he, he, that was just very important to him. So that, that's awesome. So at 10 years old, you got team gear, you give me your dad <laughs> lap times and saying, you got, do you ever tell your dad to speed it up? Like, Hey, or, or like, you got to think dad, do you ever, did you ever do that as a, no, as no, a fifth no, grader no. going, dad, think about what you're doing. Did you ever do <laughs> No, he didn't really take constructive criticism very well. In fact, he didn't take any criticism very well. Especially from a 10-year-old. Dad, what are you doing? What were you thinking? 
<laughs> did you exactly. did, did you ever think to tell your dad, hey, what were you thinking out there? <laughs> did you ever think to do that? Well, I, I, I know one thing I could never do was watch the start of the races. And I used to go to the cab of the truck and watch from, he used to park in front of the back straight. Mm-hmm. So I would sit at the cab of the truck because I was just too nervous. You know, like they were, at the time, they were the, the highest powered racing car that we had in the country so um and again at 10 years of age you think they're like formula one cars and they're that powerful and they're yeah there's obviously an element of danger as well um so the first corner was something i never really could get myself to you know sit and watch at or from the grandstand yeah um and I, i used to be so nervous before the starts like so nervous that i'd sit in in the front of the truck and just i knew where he'd qualified um it was typically like on pole or just off pole right <laughs> so i knew okay first or second he's got to come around here in first or second and if he didn't i'd be like oh no something's after happen so i always i don't know for some reason that just helped me get through the starts of the races just not being able to watch it live really the first corner yeah now i look back at them all and i'm like oh my god i i, I appreciate his racing so much more and the way he drove so much more because i can understand it now yeah. and i can see what kind of a driver he was um now- now, did you want to be, I mean, growing up, did you want to be a racer because your dad, or, and did you figure, ah, you know, most girls don't, so I'm not going to pursue this? Yeah, no, I always wanted to be a racing driver. And it was probably, at that time, I didn't, the thought of most girls don't do this didn't even enter my head. That was sort of a later thing in life. Yeah. But from a young age, yeah, no, I remember he used to bring us to indoor karting facility in Dublin, Colmore Karting, and he brought us there to take part in these kind of Sunday competitions and I just loved it and there was guys there that would come with their professionally painted helmets and we'd be there stuck with the you know the rental helmets like we really (laughs) stuck out like sore thumbs (laughs) but I didn't care and I like me and my brother we both loved it but I think at the time you know my dad was so um committed to his own racing and he was very much invested in that that he didn't really have the time he wouldn't have had the time to run us I don't think it was a case that he didn't want us to um I think he was just, you know, he obviously had this set up for his own career that he, he was committed to kind of seeing through. Um, and then he passed away before we, you know, maybe would have got that opportunity after he retired or anything like that. Um, how, how old were you when he passed away? I was 14. Now, how did that have an impact on you? Like, like, uh, like when it happened later and, and, and how did you use that to fuel yourself where you're at now i mean or or has it yeah i think I mean, it has i think it's been a huge uh part of probably where i am now like you know it, like i said i i for someone in a in a sport that it wasn't a professional sport at all but the way he approached it himself was very mm-hmm. professional um and i suppose that's something you can take into no matter what it is you do in life you know it doesn't have to be um, an amazing setup or nothing has to be the way you want it to be like but you can still have an attitude and a professionalism about yourself about how you how you go about your business and I think that's probably something I, I try to to bring uh, to my own life you know whether it's hockey like hockey's not a professional setup but you can still try to, to be as professional as you can be as good as you can as the rest of the professionals in the world and and train as hard as them um, and obviously your attitude is a huge part of that as well so I think while it's it's not something anyone really wants to experience or something that you would wish any on, on anyone, of course not, but I think it allows you to, to grow and develop at a rate a lot quicker than, than maybe you would have if, if it had not happened, if that makes sense. Did it take a while for you to, 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 to take that in from that? I mean, that, to learn that or did, it, or did you immediately? No, like, no, like, no, no, like, of course. I mean, like you, you go through so many different emotions I think when when something like that happens to you and when it's so young you know you know my dad was 48 my mom was 47 and she was you know widowed with four kids and my youngest sister was only five or six I think at the time so it's kind of like life has to go on but you're trying to grieve and you're trying to process all this that's what what's happening and you know sport was a huge outlet for me for that like so luckily I was I was I had I was playing a lot of different sports and I was really interested in sport. It didn't really matter what I was playing, but that was kind of an outlet for me to kind of take my mind off what was happening, you know, or or the fact that I probably hadn't really processed what had happened. Right. Um, 
and yeah, I think you just go through a whole lot of different emotions and it's through those emotions you, you, you process one bit at a time and, and you, you don't realize at the time, but you are growing and, and, and developing um, as a person throughout it. Um, and you still, I still am, you know, um, there's still things today that, you know, I, I can think, oh, I missed out on that maybe with, with my dad or things like that. And you just try and, yeah, take it in a different direction. Well, I personally have seen what kind of a great athlete you are because, you know, we uh, kick the soccer ball around. You have great soccer skills, but you're on the, the, the world team for the women's field hockey. So how did you realize, like, the, like hockey was your sport? Like, field hockey was your sport? Like, I've seen the skills you have in, in soccer or, or football, as they say, and I'm like, wow, she's good. I mean, because of you, I wouldn't got me some soccer cleats. I'm like, I'm going to show her. <laughs> so the next time she comes back, I'm going to show her. And so I don't, know, I don't know if I got to your skills yet, but I I got, a, I got cleats, and we got two soccer balls at home. Just in case you ever come by and surprise visit, I'm ready for you. I'm like Black Ronaldo. I'm ready for you, so <laughs> you can go ahead and bring it. So when did you realize that, you, that, that field hockey was your sport? Um, I, I, to be honest, like I never knew anything about field hockey. I was a complete newcomer to it when I started playing it. And, in fact, I was very stubborn to the idea of it in the beginning, mm-hmm. Um. But it it challenged me, and I think that's something that I like. I like a challenge. Like, yeah. I as a young person, I took to sports quite naturally enough. Like soccer kind of came handy enough to me. I could kick a ball, you know, playing in school. I never played on a soccer team, but I just played in school with the the lads in 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 my class. Um, and it was just something I I just liked it, and I practiced it at home and whatever skills that you know the soccer players are doing at the time. They're yeah. the ones I was I wanted to do, but. When I started secondary school, I started playing hockey. And I think it was the fact that it was a little bit more challenging of a sport than soccer or Gaelic football is what I played a lot of as well. It was the fact that it was like, wow, this is actually quite difficult. I want to see if I can do these skills. These, these seem a lot harder. Now, um, now, was it because that you weren't as good at that that made you go, I, w- I want to get good at this? Is that why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was kind of like because I didn't take to it as quickly or as naturally as yeah. I took the, the other sports that I played. I was like, okay, this one's test. This one's challenging me a lot more. I want to see how far I can go with this sport, and I think that's kind of where it came from. And then, I never imagined myself. I never imagined myself playing on the Irish team. That was a later in life thing because I didn't even know there was an Irish hockey team. Now, at okay. The time. Now, when, have you have you ever fallen in love with? Even though they challenged you and you made the team and you want to get better at, did you ever fall? Have you have you fallen in love with it? I mean, is that your passion? I mean, I mean, I know we'll get to the motorsports part of it, but even though you play it, because I mean, there's some athletes that I, that I you know I've listened to uh, interviews with a lot of like motorcycle racers, for instance, where they don't love it, but they just want to be the best at it. They know they're good at. It, they want to be the best at it. Now, is field hockey something that you love? Is in your heart, or you just do it because that's what you're good at and that's what you train for? No, it definitely was, became a passion like when it started on the Irish team and it was like there was the mention of the Olympics and trying to get there. That definitely like stuck with me as something, a goal that I wanted to achieve because if that was possible in this sport, I wanted to be part of, of maybe making that possible. Um, but I think my passion really has always been motorsport. I do have a passion for hockey. I think my passion started with that a lot a long time ago um and i think because it's it's me that's the only thing associated with that sport in hockey and obviously everything that we've achieved with the irish team has been incredible um and to be part of that team that that has been on that journey and we're still on that journey um i think motorsport has been a passion that's sort of born within me um and has a lot more to it sort of personally for me like um the connection with that myself and my family is is a big connection around that but yeah i mean definitely there's i think i wouldn't be playing hockey for as long as i am if i wasn't passionate about it Uh, and certainly trying to achieve the goals that i want to achieve you you need to be passionate about it on some level yeah well it's 10 you're 10 years on the uh the national team in february Okay, so you're kind of like the veteran of the sport now, and 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 this and this is what what I love about this is get, uh, getting to your mental because now going into the World Cup of uh, it was it in seventeen or eighteen was it two thousand eighteen in June eighteen June now word was that. Uh, you guys kind of knew your team and say, hey, we don't see ourselves going to the final, whatever, maybe, but 
and you ended up getting a silver medal. That, that, now, you, you, you guys surprised yourself. Am I correct? You guys surprised the other team. So tell me, walk me through that. And I think your inspiration, if I'm not correct, was a Mariah Carey song, was it not? <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is You? How did that become the team rallying cry? How did Mariah Carey bring you guys together? When I hear her, she just turns me apart. I mean, she makes it. So how, how, is it, how is it that Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You, how did it become the rallying cry for a team? Well, just going back to the, the World Cup itself, like, like I said, this team has been on an incredible journey. And while we probably didn't see ourselves get into a final of a World Cup, we did see ourselves creating some sort of an, an upset on the world stage. Um, because how is that? How did you, how did you see yourself uh, doing an upset? Because if that? you go back to where the journey kind of started, and it, it kind of starts in 2013, 14, when we had, when Darren Smith came in as the coach and, we had a terrible 2013. Like we didn't even make the the, the qualifier for the World Cup. Never mind the World Cup. Um, we got relegated from the A Division European Championships. So we we couldn't have actually got any further away from where we are now. But in that was the start of this regeneration of the team. And um, 2014 was probably the start of it, where we went to what's called the Champions Challenge, and it's Champions Challenge Two because it's based on where we were ranked uh, in the world. So it was for teams ranked eight to 16, I think at the time, and we were ranked 15th. So we went to this tournament and called Champions Challenge 2, ranked the second lowest team in the tournament, and we finished second. Okay, so it's not the first time we've been a lower ranked team yeah. finishing second in a competition, and that was massive for us. Yeah. Um, and from there, then we went on uh, 2015, we, we had the Olympic qualifier for Rio. We missed out on qualification for Rio on sudden death penalties against China, who were oh. ranked fifth at the time. So, but we had beaten teams like USA. We, we, um, we beat South Africa 4-1. We beat USA, we beat Uruguay. Like we topped our group in that um, Olympic qualifier. And we ended up, because China messed up their pool, the way it crossed over was we ended up facing China, who we shouldn't have if they had have, um, right. you know, played well in their group. But the point is, okay, we missed out. We, we took them to sudden death penalties and we missed out on penalties to qualify. But we outperformed ourselves as a nation like then, completely did it, but, in that tournament. But even though you outperformed yourself, did it hurt or did, or did it spurn you oh, like, okay, we're it, this close. Now we, we know what we got. We, get, we can get better. Yeah, I think initially it was like, okay, that's it. Like, we're never going to be better than this, but we're never going to play better than this. We just thought, like, that was it. How can we get any better than this? Right. Um, and so that was kind of the initial thought. And then, you know, it was like, well, we, we don't really have a choice. Are we either get back up and, and go again, or we all just retire and, and let that be it. And, and you know, it was great that the the majority of the team said, like, we're, we're not good. We're going to get back up and we're going to go again. Um, and that's kind of started how hard, with... How hard was that mentally? Like, I mean, cause it was really tough. I mean, that yeah. was when I, I kind of took some time out. It was 2016. Like we didn't have a summer program in 2016 really for that, for hockey right. and at this stage. Like we're very um, amateur at this stage, you know, like we, right. we, we don't, we're sort of semi-professional now, but at this time we're completely amateur. So, you know, there's, there's no funding for a program. There's no funding for players or anything like that. And because we didn't have a major competition in 2016, I decided to take, uh, a year to go over to the states and to work as an engineer and try and um, develop another side of my my career, my professional career. But then you um, start training with me, and that's what probably er er spurred you on. Well, I, I mean, because you know, look, you know, <laughs> world class athlete recognize world class athlete. I mean, iron sharpens iron. So you were like, exactly. wow, this guy thinks he's an athlete. I know I'm an athlete. I can't get shown up. <laughs> oh, I still got it. You know what, girls? Let's go back and take what's ours and show these girls what it's all about and who runs this field hockey game. Am I not right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> we. <laughs> Yeah, that was not not too bad. I mean, I, I I suppose in 2017, then that was the start of the qualifying um, for the World Cup, and so we qualified for the World Cup, and that's 2017 it was the start of the qualifier, um, and then that leads into the second part of the qualifier in June. We win that, we go to the Europeans, we stay up in the Europeans, and we we go to the World Cup then in 2018, and like there was no pressure on us. We'd finally 
gone to a tournament where we couldn't be relegated. We couldn't not qualify. Like there was no pressure on us. Like nothing could happen. We, we, we went there with no real expectations from our home, from our country, from ourselves. We had an expectation that we wanted to perform and, and, and know that we could cause an upset on some level, but at what level we, we didn't quite know. Um, and so we just took it one game at a time. And you, know, you go back to the, the Mar- Mariah Carey thing, it just sums up sort of the mindset that we were in during that whole tournament. It was just this, like, let's just enjoy it. Yeah. You know, like the girls were playing uh, All I Want for Christmas because, you know, these it was a relatively young team and, and no one had been to a World Cup before. None of us right. had ever been to a World Cup. Right. Um, and so getting up every morning to play in a World Cup uh, you know, a couple of the young girls and it feels like Christmas, you know, it feels like Christmas. <laughs> and so sure enough, like we're doing our morning stretch in the middle of London, like there's commuters going to work, you know, walking in between us. We're like spread out all over the middle of London and we have our sound system playing, you know, the, the speaker going with Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas. I mean, it was in July, it was like 32 degrees. <laughs> um, but it became, yeah, it became kind of uh, a symbol of, of, of the tournament and, and the success that we had. I'm sure Mar- Mariah herself even gave us a shout out in the end. So oh, that's we were, great. We were, we were thrilled with that. Yeah. That's awesome. But you know, they always say the, the, the most dangerous person in the world is somebody who didn't have anything to lose. And I think yeah. without having any pressure on you, that's probably why. Because you guys, Absolutely. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, you outperformed yourself. And when yeah, you saw I mean, what we, you... Go ahead. Yeah, we were second uh, lowest ranked team in the tournament again. Um, and to finish second, you know, that... And that just elevated us then. We went from being 15th in the world ranked to now being eighth in the world ranked, which is oh, huge. You know, you're now inside the top 10. We're now a semi-professional outfit. Like it just changes the sport in your country um, and changes your life as an athlete, you know, so. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to get too into, you know, whatever, but it was like, that wasn't the plan was after the World Cup, you were going to retire. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay, so do you tell yourself, okay, I have a chance to make the Olympic team. And yeah, now, the, go ahead. The Olympics then became um, a little bit closer in reach, I think, because of us being moved up in the rankings. So going from 15th to 8th in the world meant that the qualifying route was going to be not easier, but it was going to be more in our, in our favor um, with who we were going to likely to play. So it made, you know, the, the fact that, okay, finally, I thought, you know, I thought my, my Olympic dream was, was over because obviously it's four years, every four years. And right. I was, you know, pushing on at that stage oh, um, stop it. You're still after young. the World Cup. But yeah, like, again, it, you know, you, you have such a World Cup. It was, it was really kind of what we had achieved at the World Cup that I was like, wow, like, we're, we're actually very good here. And, you know, I really enjoyed playing against these top teams and not just playing them, but beating them, beating them and matching them on the pitch that it kind of makes you feel like, okay, maybe we're not done here yet. There's a bit more to go to this story and to this journey. Um, Cause I know you were kind of tired, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe, you know, like you, like I said, you've been on the team at this point, eight or nine years, but you see another goal, like, you know what? I got the Olympics, man. Maybe I could push on a little bit more because it, it had to spurn you on. But has has being on the Olympics? Has that ever been? A, I mean, was that always a goal to make the Olympics in whatever sport was being the Olympics? Because that was always a goal for me to be in the Olympics. And so I always love like, and so that's why when I find it's out still a goal, goal I'm for like, you, oh. BT. So what now? It's still a goal for you. Well, I think now I could be maybe a um, uh, uh, what's what's the sport where you uh in the Winter Olympics where you do it and you do that. And you, uh, what, what's that sport Fencing. where you? Fencing. Not fencing. I couldn't be a fencing. Oh, curling. Curling. I could be a good curler. That's that's like a janitor and a bowler together. I could be a good (laughs) curler, I think. I think I'd be a good curler. Because everything creaks now. So I think I'd be a good curler. As long as I I didn't have to get down on the ground, I could be a good curler. So it's always been a, honestly, and that's always been a gold mine to be in the Olympics. So the the fact that you made the Olympics or, you know, you're going to be in the Olympics, how, how did that make you feel? I mean, how did it make you feel inside when that goal was accomplished when at one point it was like unreachable? Well, I mean, it hasn't been accomplished just yet. But well, I mean, be, well, because of COVID, that's why. The only reason is because of COVID, because you, you were going. You guys qualified, right? Yeah, we're qualified. But, it, you know, you still have to be selected for the team as well. You know, like that's if you're not just if you're on the squad, you don't Nikki, get to go. You're, you're going to be on the team. Nikki, Nikki you're the most but, famous um, daily in, in the country. <laughs> 
You're the most famous daily in the country. Derek Daly, I mean, what's Formula One? I mean, you're on the field hockey team that's going to the Olympics. You brought the sport to where it is now. That You're famous. They're not going to leave Nikki Daly off the team, okay? You are the shit and you know it. So don't even act like, yeah, I know you're trying to be all demure because that's how you are. You have a good heart. You're like, oh, no, BT, I couldn't. I know you. You're a great athlete. They're going to put you on the team. You're going to get a cereal box like Wheaties and then you're going to have a field hockey stick like this. You have a gold medal. And so, so how did that make you feel? I mean, because you're going to be on the team. When everything gets back to normal, you're going to be on the Olympics. I mean, how did that make you feel knowing that you're going to the Olympics and that goal has been achieved? Yeah, like the, the, the night that we qualified, it was, again, we didn't make it easy for ourselves. We went to a penalty shootout and it went to sudden death, but this, this time we won. Um, <laughs> but um, it, I think it was just a sense of relief. It was like, oh my God, we've done it. Like we've, we've done it. Like it's all been worth it the whole 10 years. And like, it hasn't been an easy ride. Like we've, we've, we've lost more matches than we've won. We've, you know, but it doesn't matter. been disappointed more times than we've been, um, you know, happy or not but no, disappointed. But that, but that's what make you guys. But that's what makes you guys great. When you go through the shit, and you go through the hell, and but you've been together the team. It makes you closer. And when you start winning, and like you said, you didn't make it easy on yourself. You had to go through penalty, the penalty, the penalty. I don't not kicks, but the penalty, whatever, the shootout. Okay, you know what I'm trying to say. Don't 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 look at me that way. You know what I'm trying to say. But when you when you come through that, it makes you stronger as a team. So when you get in those matches where it's tight, you guys know what you're about, and you're more closer as a team than than anybody because you've been there together i think when you go to war with somebody that's what makes you tighter as a team yeah no definitely i think we've certainly become a shootout team that's for sure we've, we've won more shootouts now in, in in big games than i can remember like to go from you know obviously losing a shootout mm. to qualify for rio we went to two shootouts in the world cup for the semi-final and the final and we won both of them and then you know went to a shootout again there and for the olympic qualifier and we won that one so i think yeah, like that, you know, all these different experiences is what makes you stronger at the end of, of course. it. Whether they're good or they're bad, it's all part of the development and the growth that you go through as a team um, and as an individual and, and an athlete as well. So, um, yeah, I think to, without all of the disappointments and without the hard road that we've been on in, in, initially, uh, I don't think you'd even enjoy it as much. Um, exactly. Just, and that's why you're around. enjoying it. I mean, that, during all this, while you're going through that, you still had motorsports at the forefront. I mean, I think motorsports, correct me if I'm wrong, that's where the passion still lies was motorsports. Because even when you were doing all that, you were still working for Junko Racing here in Indianapolis. You were, and, and like I said in the very beginning, if you guys forgot, your cousin is Connor Daly. So is, is there a little bit of you, just a tad that still goes, if I would have just had that path, I, I could be in that race car? <laughs> Yeah, I'd love I mean, to that wants it. to be a racer. Because, I mean, when I'm on the grid at MotoGP, and honestly, and you know me, you know me well, so you know that when I look at those guys, I have to shut my eyes because that's where I've always wanted to be. And it's like, sometimes I can't go out there because I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to freak out, so I had to stay back there. And I got to take a deep breath. And there's a sense of, like, yearning that never will be fulfilled because I wanted I always wanted to be a racer number one and that that motorsports has never left my heart and and it's funny you said it because it was always always wrestling but always motorsport wrestling was more attainable but motorsports is always a passion so when you're around racing and you know you were doing your field hockey it was still racing or motorsport was still in your heart and so how did you have the the, the even the wherewithal to still stay with it and still want to be connected with it um yeah i think it's just something that i I definitely wanted to be a racing driver like that was and I'd love to have seen how, how good or how far I could have went with it. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, you know, BT, I've beaten you a few times in go-kart. No, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, first of all, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't say you beat me a few times. What it was, we went 1-1 one, one that afternoon. <laughs> listen, for anybody who's not listening, Wyatt is my producer. Wyatt, show Nikki your face. Wyatt is my producer. He's 19 years old. This kid is, this kid is one of my idols. 19 years old. He's my producer. He's the one that does everything. And I'm going to tell him right now, here's what happened. We, it was me, your cousin Connor Daly, who races, another cousin, and some girl with stinky perfume. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was 
It was Forbes on the indoor karting track. And the great thing about it is I knew when that visor goes down, I knew you were all business. That's the great thing. That's what I love about you. You're the nicest person in the world, almost too nice. But when that, when that visor goes down, you're all business. I, and I had no business with it. I had no problem with that. But let, let's be honest. Uh, the, the, uh, the racing went daily, which is Connor. And then it went BT and then daily, which is you. And so the next race, it went daily. And then you were the daily. And then it was me. And then the other daily. And then Stinky Perfume. But remember that? So that's the way it was. That's the way it was. So I, yeah, just, so I beat you. That's the only point I was trying to make here. No, it, we went one and one. We went one and one. Okay. Let's get this straight. We went one and one. I just remember we were racing. That was just to make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Um, because after that race, we went to Toys R Us to get a, a gift, I think, for Carter or somebody. And you still had a, like a little, you could tell it bothered you a little bit that I that we split. Because you, you were expecting <laughs> to beat me because you had all that racing in your bloodline. And there I was, the young brother from the streets. And I, you know, he's like, what is he? know about racing and i and i beat you so i i know that yeah, i know that's still you remember the time we went out to whiteland you know you ain't gotta bring that up you ain't gotta bring <laughs> that. I, I was scared i was in a town called whiteland in indiana i was scared i was only one of three brothers out there we were in a, we were in a cornfield that's where hate crimes happen so i was scared okay so don't even start that you know i was scared and i had my motorcycle boots on if i didn't have my motorcycle i had my motorcycle i wasn't ready to race I had my motorcycle boots on my motorcycle jacket you sound like a racing driver now you got all the excuses okay you know what you know what it's over <laughs> <laughs> no okay well, here. why don't we talk about your go why, why can't you start racing go-karts now i mean you're, you're still young and rye and and everything and spry why don't you race go-karts now well i've done a couple of go-kart races over here but i mean uh i'd only do it for for fun um and i will i i, I do have a go-kart um i've done a couple of races but i i think um you know, the organization that I've set up now to try and encourage more girls to get into karting and to, to get into motorsport in general is probably more of my focus on the motorsport side. This is what I love, and this is what I, and this is what initially what I wanted to get into. But I was, I wanted people to know where you were coming from, you know, the, the the backstory and all that. I didn't want to just start off with that, but I here's what, and I and I tried it for this this whole show, or this whole chat with who I talked to on all these episodes is just the the inspiration you are because you don't. I tell people you don't realize somebody's looking up to you, and you're somebody's role model, and somebody. And it doesn't. I know you don't. It doesn't seem like it, or you do, or you don't feel it. But somebody now is looking up to you, and you're their inspiration. Like, oh my God, she can do it. I can do it. And like you said, there's not very much diversity in a, in a racing paddock. I mean, I think it's better. It's a lot better now than it used to be. But I mean, you grew up in the old school days. I definitely did. You know, I, I, I grew up in the black and white where they had leather helmets and they had the goggles like this. I grew up a long time ago. You know, so it's like there wasn't any diversity. So I think. Sometimes that scares people off. They go, well, I can't do it because nobody else has done it. But now seeing you and what you're doing with your Go Girls Karting Initiative, tell people what that's about. The Go Girls Karting is um, it's basically trying to open up the sport to young girls and to show them that this is a place for, for girls to be. Um, a lot of girl, young girls, especially here in Ireland, they wouldn't be overly familiar with motorsport. And any um, interest or knowledge that they have of the sport they see it as a male dominated sport which it right. is so they're right. not they're not wrong but with that they don't see many females so they don't have that like what you're saying that role model there to kind of say okay like if she can do it i can do it um so the the idea of the go girls karting is to open up the sport like you said make it inclusive rather than exclusive right. um and to uh highlight the different career opportunities that are involved within the sport so we use motorsport as a platform to teach STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and maths. Um, and so that these, these girls can understand how these subjects apply to a sport like motorsport. And by making, you know, by bringing these STEM subjects to life and using motorsport as a platform, it just, it makes it a little bit more of a fun learning environment for them um, and, and, and encourage them maybe more to, to go down engineering path or mechanic route or right. science or tech um, or even into a motorsport career as well. Okay, now here's something that I, I, I don't know if you've done it before, but because I know that, like I said, you've only been like maybe one or two females in, 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 in like your engineering class. So did you find yourself, and I talked to Amy Dargan about it, or Amy Reynolds, GP, we were talking, and she has a, a similar initiative where he's trying to get women more involved in the paddock and, and in motorsports, where growing up, you know, she kind of felt like she kind of had a either dumbed down or conversation or I got to go this path because guys won't, you know, like that or, or, you know, girls don't do that. Did you find yourself doing that subconsciously in a way? 
Yeah, but that was kind of the same as, you know, when, when I first went to the States, I kind of was like, oh God, am I going to be accepted here? You know, am I going to fit in here? How's this going to go? Because, you know, I don't see any other girls around here and I don't know of any other girls that, that work in motorsports. So yeah, that was the feeling I had. And, and I suppose that's where the, you know, the idea for Formula Female and the, the, the Go Girls Karting Initiative came from is trying to show young girls that yes, here is someone, here is a load of different engineers working in MotoGP, IndyCar, Formula One. You can be just like them and this is how you go about doing it. So it's trying to open up that sport to make it seem like it's um, an opportunity that's out there and, it, and, and an opportunity that exists for every young girl um, out there, no matter you know what their background is or uh, where they come from. So um, that was the, the idea around the, the Go Girls Karting Initiative. The other side of it then is to use you know, females that are already in the sport here as role models to show them that like, here we have young Alex Kobe. She's a 16 year old um, kart racer in Ireland. She's one of the best carters in the country, both male and female. She holds multiple track records here in Ireland and she's, you know, racing in Europe against some of the best carters in the world. Um, and she's, you know, she's only 16 and she has the ability to, to be a role model to so many young girls in Ireland and around the world to show them that, look, here you go. You can be, you know, you can be a driver, you can be an engineer, you can be a mechanic. Um, have them goal set. I think, I, you know, I personally think that when women have, and I think especially for women, because guys, it's almost like, a, okay, you know, okay, they can set, and that's not all sports for everybody, but I think sport for women is especially great because, you know, it doesn't lead to, I don't know, you know, they go, for women, they can get pregnant or do whatever and go down a different path. But I think when they're in sport, it has them more focused. And yeah. I think and I think they're more successful in life when they do that. Because like I said, you know, you working with a team, and even in sport, when you're individual sport, it's still a team involved. I mean, there's still people, you know, uh, maybe you have a trainer that works you out. And the mental side, having somebody like your your your, your uncle Derek Daly, has he helped you in this initiative and and uh, and trying to get you know the ball rolling and, and making the connections he had in Formula One? Has he helped you in that? Yeah, Derek's always been you know a great shoulder for me because he's he's been through it. He's you know he's made all the mistakes. He'll tell you himself his career kind of you know went from not to a hundred like in the shortest possible time and. So he's he's really has quite a lot of knowledge around the sport and and what works and what doesn't work. So he's always been there to help me. He he's studied racing drivers for the past I don't know thirty years while he's been doing television and 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 following the careers of these drivers. So he understands the mental side of of what it is to to be an athlete as well. And he's he's always just been so in, involved and engrossed in in what makes people successful. Um, and he uses motorsport as as his platform to. To figure that out so he's been personally as an athlete he's been such a help to me but obviously with his knowledge around the motorsport industry as well he's well, been i, I know he been. helped you in the sense in the mental sense and i thought this was great <laughs> is that he taught you what did he teach you mentally and how to get over sport because you said you know you kind of like the little low self-esteem it, it, i might be putting words in reality but like, you know you weren't the most confident person in the world yeah. and he taught you these mental techniques on how to get over that and what did he teach you yeah, he, he just basically taught me how the mind works. And, you know, I did, I, I was not a hugely confident person or athlete. I don't know. I think I just, if it, if it didn't, I think I knew deep down with the potential I had, but if I couldn't always produce it, that would make me think, oh, people think I'm no good because that's what they're after seeing. They haven't seen me when I can do something really well. Um, and I, I struggled to kind of unlock that potential consistently. Um, but it was, it was very much like a negative mindset that I had and, and kind of stopping myself from, from playing naturally or, or just freeing myself up to be allowed to make mistakes. And I ended up being, um, like limiting myself and uh, like sabotaging my own, you know, playing career. How? To, like how? In what in way? Sense. In what way? How did you sabotage Just you? like being afraid to, to, to play you know you end up kind of not shying away from the ball or when you get the ball you try and pass it away really quickly instead of showing what you can bring and, and you know my areas my skill set is you know skillful taking players on eliminating um, and and going hard at, at defenders and, and yeah trying to you know create play but when you don't when you're not too confident in yourself you, you tend to 
go into yourself and shy away from doing all those things that that make you a great player. So he kind of just worked a lot with me on 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 how I'm I'm speaking to myself probably internally um, and using vis- visualization was a huge technique for yes. before that. Right. And trying to rather than you know something good happen that that d- depicts or d- dictates whether I'm confident or not. Instead, trying to create these favorable circumstances as he called them um do you think you're a great player do you think you're a great player yeah i think i yeah okay i do know (laughs) (laughs) well you know what some people feel like oh my gosh i didn't say maybe sound cocky but you're not i mean you're just being confident so i would ask are you a great player and and what's your best attribute what's your best attribute as a a field hockey player uh probably my skills and what and what are those skills? I mean, you're you're like a, the guy from Taken. You're like Liam Neeson in like, Taken. I possess a particular set of skills. <laughs> so, what are your skills? No, it's ball control, probably. You know. Okay. And what's yeah. your weakness? What's your weakness? Um. Or do you have one? Are you goal like the Michael scoring. Jordan? <laughs> goal, so what, scoring. scoring. goal scoring. Goal scoring. Well, well, work on your weakness until it's your strength. Everybody knows that. I'll, I need to be your coach also. I'll be. I'll you, are, you are. Listen, you give me great advice. <laughs> I appreciate oh, well. PT. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just kissing up. Now you're just kissing up. Okay, well, listen, what all this, what made you want to help young girls, though, to, to get into motorsports? What made you? Because of what you went through? Or because yeah. you don't have to do that. You could, be, you could be selfish and be like, you know what? I want to get up. I want to do this and the hell with everybody else. I mean, but you don't. You want to help others. And that's what I, I found. Like I said, I know you, so I know your heart. And I think that's what's beautiful. But the people who don't know you, what made you want to help other people? Well, it, it was my experience, you know, my experience of going to college and being the only girl and, and that feeling of, oh, should I be here or not? And, and sort of the uncomfortableness maybe that I, I put on myself um, and just kind of make it look like this isn't typically for girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted it to become no- normal. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I wanted it to become just a, yeah, do you want to do motorsport engineering? Here you go, go do it. There, look at all these girls that are doing it. And just open the sport up more. Um, and I wanted it. I wanted to see more female racing drivers. I want to see oh, a female get to the, you know, victory lane at the Indianapolis 500. Yes. I want to see the next Danica Patrick or, you know, the next Formula One driver, Leila Lombardi. I think might have been the last one. So you know, I, I I would love to see females. But I think in order to do that, you need to grow the the the, the pool, the, the number that are currently competing and the only way to do that is just increase the awareness and make the sport so much more accessible than it already is. I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I would love to see a field of diversity. I mean, racing is expensive, and that's what really kind of levels the playing field. It's very expensive, so it's hard for a lot of people. You get the sponsorship, a lot of stuff we don't see, but, man, I would love to see. You know what? I'd love to see a kill two birds with one stone, a black female race car driver. What? Oh, my yeah. goodness. And we're on the same team together. Like, I don't know what I can do. I'm not smart with the numbers like you are. I could maybe – well, you don't need to hold a pit board because you guys got to – I could do something. I could sign the car up, you know, have a black female Formula 1 one racer what and you're the team chief and you're like listen here um i don't know wakanda what you need to do is you need to really hit this first turn that's where you're making up tenths of a second she's like i got you nikki i got you girl <laughs> you know and we like when how great would that be the first female she's in formula one and she's black too i'm happy you're happy the world not so much but how great would that be no i think i i do think that you know people are are, are more aware of and i think formula one and and the motorsport industry as a whole is is now realizing that they do need to make this sport more inclusive rather than exclusive and i and there is that exclusivity uh sense to it in the sense like if you don't have money you're just not going to get you you don't get an opportunity or you don't get to to even try and see if this is something that you could be successful at and it's great to see the likes of formula one and, and i know that i just actually derek sent me an article yesterday about this inclusion program that's um being backed by penske and um, that's great at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where they're trying to open this, open up the sport to like diversity, inclusion, everyone and anyone. And try so I can race? This. I can race? So I got a chance? Kids, kids BT, kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it is, and it's brilliant. And it's, it's about making the sport more accessible and, you know, providing an opportunity there for these young people, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter who they are. Um, but 
it's trying to make it that if you, if there is a young black female who's good at karting and she's showing talent that hey look we have a program here in place now let's get her to the next level let's get this I other girl from be. whoever maybe a, a difficult background who right. you know right these opportunities are now available for them and that's part of what my initiative with the go girls karting is making it all you know it's my program's 10 euro to, to to do it for the day so you know most schools take that cost on themselves right um, and it, it just means that everyone gets the opportunity to experience it and that it's not just for private schools or you know people with money or, or things like that well, I think that's great, Nikki. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I love what you're doing. I saw that. And and honestly, you were you were in my wheelhouse to do this. And, it, and it's funny because we all went out to eat. It was me and Wyatt. And he, Wyatt goes, hey, do you have your guests for tomorrow? And I go, nah. And I swear to God, I go, you know what? And I said, no, it's last minute. But I go, I've always, and I, I always want to talk to you about that. And I go, why not do it now? You know what I mean? And I, and I, I know I'm, I'm close, close to you. So, and I thought this is going to be great. So, and that's why I did that. Cause I just want people to look up to people like yourself and say, if she did it, I can do it. Cause you're basically, honestly, for people in Ireland, you're like the Jackie Robinson of, 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 of honestly, of a females in motorsport with your history and the family name. And now you're going to get an Olympic gold medal. I mean, you're like golden. You're like famous. I mean, you are. You probably you probably get a street named after you. Maybe you know have some liquor like Connor. You know, like 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 uh like Connor. What's his name? Uh, the the fighter. What's his name? MMA fighter. Connor McGregor. Yeah, Connor McGregor. You like the female Connor McGregor? You get like a liquor named after you. How great is that gonna be? So before we get out of here, here's what I'm gonna ask you some quick questions. Okay, in rapid fire. Who's your favorite favorite race car driver there is currently? Currently, favorite race car oh, driver curr- currently. Currently, um, Connor Daly. Connor Daly. What's your cousin? Okay, besides your cousin. You know, that was easy. That's nepotism. Uh, okay, Charles Leclerc. Who? Charles Leclerc. Oh, really? Over, over Lewis Hamilton? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? What he's doing with that Ferrari, yeah, I will give you that. That Ferrari is, is trash. You know the pickup truck that I have? It could beat that. It could beat that Formula One car. The, the, <laughs> my, my pickup truck with 405,000 miles could beat that could beat, beat that Ferrari. Okay. Who's your favorite? Who, who's, the next, who's the next female driver? Who's the next female big thing in racing, in motorsport? Alex Kobe. She's oh. Irish. Now, I, I saw that. You know, I followed her because of that. Because I think I talked to you online a week before you went to the, the, the uh, race in France. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I followed her. Awesome. And I, yeah. And she got, didn't she get booted out in the final or whatever? Yeah. Uh, so, she got taken out in the final. But she qualified third and she was running top three all weekend and but that's racing. Yeah, she she was she was really really good that weekend. But that's racing. That's racing. Okay. And racing, how yeah. how do you want to be remembered? What what do you want your legacy to be? And when it's all said and done with, you know, and you know, you're like at, at the end, and you know it, and they go, Nikki, what do you want to be remembered for? What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? Uh, I think probably just somebody that, you know, maybe I don't know how to describe it, but just went after what I was passionate about and saw it out. And if it was a bit different to most people's passions, so, so be it. Like just, if it's something that you're into like go for it and, and don't let up and don't be worried or anything, just see it through. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Okay. And what, uh, if you can let us, uh, just a peek, if you can have a peek into your goal setting, hey, let's a little peek. What, what's your next goal? Your next two goals, if you can let us have a peek. Um, the next two goals, probably to keep the initiative going, maybe take it to the next level, the Go Girls Karting Initiative, and, mm-hmm. and to make the Olympic team. Good for you, baby. I'm so happy for you, Nikki. I cannot begin <laughs> to tell you how grateful I am to have you on the show. And honestly, like I said, if, if just one person, one girl goes, yeah, I'm going to be like Nikki because of Nikki Daly. And she's holding up a trophy and a form in one circle, a form in two, a form in three, whatever. And they hold up a trophy and they say, because of you, Nikki. And she starts crying. <laughs> and we're popping bubbly. We're popping champagne. And I'm on the, uh, I'm on the Olympic team. And even though even, I am old, even, I'm, I made the Olympic team all because of you. I'll give you a shout out. So I want to say thank you so much for everything, Nikki. I mean that good Good luck in the Olympics. Is, is it is it is it set? You're going to be in 2021 now, right? Instead of this year. Yeah, they're saying 2021. I don't know if it's 100 confirmed, but at the minute it's going ahead. So let's hope COVID stays yeah. up, stays put. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. Okay. And, uh, any websites that you go to that anybody should look up now if they want to? Uh, yeah, you can you can look up formlyfemale.org is our Go Girls initiative, and there's some uh, information on that about everything that we're doing at the minute. Um, 
other than that, you can follow me on social media, Nikki Daly 22, N-I-C-C-I-D-A-L-Y 22, or Formula Female. FormulaFemale.org or Nikki, that's N-I-C-C-I Daily number 22. Why, why, why 22? Why 22? 22 is, it was actually the number I was first given when I started, when I got my first cap. And then, you know, it's it's probably quite a high number. You know, if you, if you think about there's only 11 players on the pitch, so 22. And then I was offered a lower number, um, you know, after a couple of caps, there was a couple of tires or numbers available. And I said no, because 22 actually, it, there's a bit of a history there. My dad was 22 when he raced. Derek yes. was 22 when he raced Formula One and, and, nice. and Connor was also 22 when he raced for Junkos Racing and he won the championship in the Pro Mazda. So That's I beautiful. said, no, I want to keep 22. Um, beautiful. And yeah, it's great. It's great to kind of have that number. Beautiful. Uh, along with love- the, the rest of the people in my family. I love it. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I love it. And I was telling Wyatt, I said, for some reason, man, I don't know. It, it, I had the last, my last guest was Simon Patterson. Uh, he's, a, he's a writer for MotoGP. He's a journalist for MotoGP. And we get along like this. And he's Irish. And something about the Irish, Irish <laughs> and, and black people, we get along great. I don't know what it is, but there's a, you know, we get along from, from, from day one. I remember. We're uh, just nice day, people. <laughs> you, you are, from the day one, uh, I remember going, a uh, uh, phone call said, hey, Nikki's at the airport. And I, never, I, I hadn't met you yet and you were going to fly out and I was just coming in and I, I go Nikki and you were like oh god is he really like this all the time and you had this look on your face like oh my god I don't know you and I gave you this big hug and you're like okay security and you know and I remember I just remember scaring you I remember like this girl is tiny I remember telling you like this girl is t- I'm gonna crush her she's tiny and I think that's where our lifelong friendship uh, began and honestly I just I think the world of you and I mean it from the bottom of my heart I love every time we contact each other and man, I ah, my heart goes to you. I wish I could see you in person, but I, I'm rooting for you. Whatever you do, whatever, and if you want to come back on, whenever you tell me, we'll get this done. Nikki, I mean it's from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so BC, much. BC, God, BC, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I miss you, my friend, and good luck with the rest of your podcast. I think you do a brilliant job. You're so funny. <laughs> And I wish I could see you in stand-up soon. (laughs) Thank you. And and we'll come back over and race, and we're going to be me, you, Connor, and no stinky uh, perfume girl. It's going to be all the the dailies. And And no more excuses, BT. (laughs) No more more excuses. Thank you so much, Nikki. This is BT with Tales from the Gemini Podcast. Thanks for watching so much. And like we say around this time, you know the word, Peace.